Hello everyone, welcome back to the Dialogue Options Podcast with your ever-faithful host, Joel McDonald, that is me, and my very, very good friend, Kyra Morrison. How you doing, man? Uh, yeah, pretty tired, actually. Yeah, we're very tired. Um, so this is part two of our PAX Australia 2016 special. Um, and we're just going to touch on a few thing- few more things that we played and things that we saw and... Uh, and just sort of give us a bit of a wrap-up. I'll give you all a bit of a wrap-up on the whole convention itself. Um, we've also got some interviews at the end as well that we managed to snap up on the show floor, which is really cool, uh, for some really sweet games and some really sweet developers. Um, sweet as I mean, as in like, yeah, they're sweet. And also they were sweet and lovely as well. Um, but we'll get to that in a, uh, in a moment once we start talking about the games. But how did you feel about the whole show in, in general, Karen? Oh, uh, good. I feel like it was definitely... It's a show that keeps getting better every year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was great to see the indies have more space, but on the flip side, I was disappointed by the AAA offerings. Yeah. You know? Yep. No, that's fair. The, the AAA offerings were kind of sparse, but, I mean, there's not a lot really coming out that would have been appropriate to show, I guess, apart from the obvious. Do you want to talk about that now, Kyron? Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I yeah, can talk I'd, about it. Let's start off on the back foot a little bit with with packs. Well, I played Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's a game I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's it. Um, uh, oh, oh boy, walk us through it, Karen. Well, basically, it was a game that I queued for. It was about probably probably forty fifty minutes of waiting, which isn't too bad. I'm used to that queuing for these sort of big games. Uh-huh. Uh, and you got in, and they sat you down, and they showed you a pretty good demo that sort of ran you through what you would be doing in a demo and showcased some of the crafting. You could see the map and it led to a culminated with a pretty decent, not what looked like a fun fight against a pretty big robot dinosaur monster that went for probably about 10 ish minutes. And then they were like, cool. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show like that presentation. Now you will get a chance to go hands on with the game yourself, which was fine. Like I was like, cool, here we go. It was in the same area, except I don't know, so much of the stuff that he did in the demo I couldn't do. Right. I was given a list of things to do, like kill three of the little dino raptors and uh, trap and mount one of the broad head things and knock a uh, supply canister off one of the little robot crabs that walk around. Right, okay. So, So, and I did all of that, but I didn't get to do any of the crafting stuff or get a look at the map or the menu in any real way. Uh, I didn't have, it didn't culminate with like a cool sort of boss fight. It just kind of, I don't know. Like it's not a game that doesn't, it's not bad. You know, it plays right. well yeah. and it looks yeah. really nice and it sounds really good. But it just, when I was playing it, I wasn't excited. It wasn't really getting, didn't get there for me, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Now you're not the only one I heard that from. Um, a few other people we spoke to or um, I, I've spoke to as well who played that demo as well, had the same to say about that. Um, is it cause to be worried? I mean, probably not. The game's still probably going to do really well, and Sony's definitely heavily invested in its success. Right. And and regardless of the big picture, it is really nice to see Guerrilla Games not working on another kill zone at the moment. Like, they're getting sort of yeah. a chance to flex their muscles in another area. It's just sort of, like, it's disappointing what I played because I, it was a game that when it was first announced, I was so excited. Yeah, like, absolutely. 
the way you sort of she tackled that big robot T-Rex looked so cool and interesting oh, yeah. and like grappling it to the ground like like tethering it to the ground and yeah, yeah it was cool and then I sort of again I was I guess maybe because I was fighting smaller enemies but they went down pretty easily scanning him was a neat thing but I don't know if I want to do it constantly you know right yep uh, it's just, I don't know, like, I just can't quite get excited for it. It's one of those games that the more I see it, the less hyped I get for it. Yeah, okay. So, that's a shame. It is a shame. Um, look, I didn't get a chance to play it myself. Uh, I think this game is going to be the game that they want us to try and use as the, the killer app for the PS4 Pro. Maybe, because they did, they did have a, a demo unit running there showcasing the game in 4K yeah. with HDR and we, enabled, and it did look did really nice. It looked really nice, looked really good, but it, yeah. It's worth noting that the game that I played was running on PlayStation 4, not the Pro version, so... Yeah, and still looked really good, yeah. Yeah, still looked good, like, yeah. it didn't, there was no major technical issues, the sound was still nice, Right. the like textures and the, the environment still looked really cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, it's when I just, I'm having trouble getting excited about it compared okay. to how I was like when it was first revealed and I was like, yes, I will fight robot dinosaurs with my bow. I'm in <laughs> and I get, I get to play it and I'm kind of just like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. not bad. I guess like, yeah, I'll get it probably down the line, but I don't know if I'm going to be compelled enough to get it at launch. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, look. The the thing that I was alluding to about you maybe wanted to talk about uh, starting off on the back foot as well, the things that were absent from the show floor that we thought might have been there. Um, most noticeably, our, our good old friend in his green tunic. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure exactly, I, I was very tired. I feel like the bitterness I had towards Nintendo came up in the first episode we had. Yeah, I think we did. But, like, you know, if we're going to talk about downsides to the, if we're covering, like, what we saw at the show and stuff like that, that's probably a big downside. Um, Considering it was at EB Expo, I mean. I mean, uh, that could easily be because EB rolled out the wallets. Yeah. Because they, they can do that. But at the same time, like, I'm not sure if you've seen the recent rumors, but there's talk now that Zelda may not be a launch game anymore. Right. It might be a launch window. Oh, Jesus. The, the news keeps getting worse and worse for this. Well, not really. Like, the because the other rumor also assumes that now Mario will be a launch game. So that honestly makes it up for me. Uh, okay. Yep. No, but, I'm on board with that. So it could be, that could simply be the reason. Maybe they're not, like after the last couple of showings, they're like, okay, let's do a bit more tweaking and see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. But it is still disappointing. It was something I desperately wanted to play. Yeah. The Nintendo booth was still really nice and had a lot of cool stuff going for it. It's still like the Nintendo booth is always one of my favorite places to go just because it's so fun. And it's always laid out really nicely as well. Like it's, it's it's nice and open every, you can just sort of wander in wherever you want. I love Um, their big screen where they do like their, all their community stuff is really neat as well. Like you don't see that at Sony or Microsoft or anything like that. No. Well, I mean, Sony kind of had it this year with the, but it was mainly just for PS4 pro stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess if you wanted to watch two demos, like I'm talking about like Mike Nintendo had stuff running on the big screen, constantly going all day. And then they had like competitions and things as well. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they they still did it. It was still good, um, but yeah, it was a little disappointing, uh, I guess. Um, but let's get into the good. Let's get into the good. I, man, I played so many games on Saturday uh, and Sunday, for that matter. Actually, I played, and they were all 
pretty much in the indie section. Um, bar about, I'm just looking at the list, one for me. I, it was uh, all in the indie section. I spent so much time in there. And um, my wife came on the Saturday as well. She usually only goes the one day. And um, she loved it. She had an absolute ball there. She found a game. I don't know much about it, so I didn't write it down to, to talk about it. I think it was called like Evergreen or something. Um, it's basically you were a tree, and you have to try and grow this tree up and like make sure it's well irrigated so that the roots get enough water so it can grow bigger. And then you have to like grow the branches out yourself. Like you had to like place the branches, but you had to do it in a way so like the top branches didn't cover the bottom branches so they didn't get any sun. And you do all this sort of stuff, and eventually it's supposed to they're saying that eventually you go through and it um you help like evolve creatures into man and give them fire and and all this sort of stuff like that um it like i i saw it briefly it looked cool maybe not exactly my type of game um but ash was taken by it she played it for about 15 20 minutes i think she sat down playing it um, and she loved it, and she would not stop talking about it. So it's a bit of, a, I guess, an honourable mention of something that I didn't actually play, but I, I heard quite a lot about. Um, but uh, I, 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 I play a lot, so I'm going to dive into it a little bit here. Yeah, this is this is a part of a show where it sort of becomes Joel's thing, because I've <laughs> basically listed all I played, honestly. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I play, yeah, I, like I said, I played a lot of stuff. Um so I, I played a game called Armed with Wings by Sun Studios. Um, that was really cool. It was a black and white style 2D side scroller. It had a single player story campaign, but it also had multiplayer as well. And not a co-op multiplayer, it was like a competitive multiplayer. Um, and that was what I played first. We were sort of walking by the booth, myself and, and a friend of ours, uh, or Liam from the first part. And uh, this guy was like, hey, do you want to come play the game? I'm like, yeah, sure, no worries. There was no lines or anything. He's just sort of dragging people over. And we're like, all right, cool, we'll go and we'll, we'll pick it up. Why not? Um, and he explained the controls to us, and he's basically said, you guys, you know, you, um, the controls were kind of like Smash Brothers, and we are like, okay, we're listening. And then we played it, and it, it, the, the multiplayer mode was essentially like a 1v1 Smash Brothers. Um, it had blocking and dodging, and it felt like the block and dodge were on the triggers and it felt like you would normally do in Smash Brothers. Um, you had directional attacks, so you had like your normal like normal attack button, which you could do in any direction. Then you had like a special attack button you could do in any direction. Um, uh, each of the characters had certain loadouts. You could change weapons and stuff, which when I played the single-player campaign came up as well. You could unlock weapons through throughout playing the game and you could like have custom loadouts and there was two different characters to choose from. And um, But... We played one round and it sort of like we played literally one game and we're like, holy shit, this is really cool. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, not like I didn't go back to it. I was going to try and pick up a copy of it. I didn't get around to it. Um, but down the track, I'm definitely going to look it up because I think it was something I'm very interested in. That art style is really cool as well. Like I said, it was like black and white, but like the character designs were really awesome. There wasn't too much detail to them in terms of like, f- like fine detail. It was very um, silhouetic, I guess. Um, but yeah, I that was really cool. I thought I wanted to mention that one. Now, Kyron, here's one that you can talk about as well. So we also played Dungeon League. Uh, it wouldn't be PAX if we didn't play Dungeon League. Um, so 
uh, 8-Bit Studios or 8-Bit, uh, Chris, who we know quite well, because like I said, we play it literally every year. Um, it's a 10-minute competitive RPG, apparently. That's that's the, 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 the way he describes it, and it sums it up perfectly. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Dungeon League, Kyron? We've played it quite a lot, like I said. What do you well, reckon? You say you played it quite a lot. We've played it like once a year for the last couple of years. Yeah, but that's still a lot. Like when we're there, we usually play it at least four or five times on the yeah. show floor. Like it's 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 fun. I really like it. I really like it, and I can't wait to get it on console. I do own it on PC, but yeah, uh, it's just one of those things that because I live here and you live there, and we're all kind of scattered. It's hard yeah. to get all together. It makes it, it makes it difficult. Um, but yeah, I cannot wait for the console release either. Um, I won't go into it too much. Uh, apart from like we entered a tournament, and you know. Myself and Liam did okay. I actually won a game for once. Um, you and Ben got to the final round. Oh, yeah, and then we got yeah. smashed. Team Dragonfridge taking well, it to the finals. Dragonfridge will rise again. <laughs> Dragonfridge 2 Electric Boogaloo. That's your team name for next year. It's a bit um, long, isn't it? Uh, nah, nah. It's got a good ring to it. It rolls off the tongue nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's good. It's a good game, and uh, I really I really enjoy how hectic it can get sometimes. Oh yeah, it, we certainly at a certain point there was a combination we had that worked really well, mm. and as soon as someone shook up that combination, we were just like, I don't know what to do now. Like we had two characters, and we can't pick them anymore. Yep, yep. It's uh it's cool. So like the the character selection thing has changed this year as well. So normally it'd be like a, a frantic rush to try and pick the character, much like in competitive Overwatch. Yeah. When you're like you know you want to be that character, so you're like flicking through really quickly to try and grab it, and then someone grabs it at the last minute, and you're like fuck. Um, but uh, Chris has changed it this year, so it's um, he is a, it's like a draft, so it randomizes and gives you a number basically between one and four. And that's the order that you pick your characters in, which I think is great. It works really well. It can work against you sometimes, but I guess that's why it's there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, and it adds that sort of element to it. It's like, you know, you could go into it with a strategy and, you know, be a rock-solid strategy, but that that draft can turn things on its head quite quickly. You always got to back up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but you will hear a little bit more about Dungeon League later on in the show. Uh, because as I said, we managed to nab an interview with Chris. He was very lovely and, and generous to offer his time to us. Um, so yeah, we there's a bit of a chat with him. We're going to check them all on the, at the end before we, um, before we sign off, we'll put them in there. Um, uh, which leads me to my next one as well. The next game that I play, which is dead static drive. Uh, this is by a guy called Mike Blackney. He's making the game himself. It's essentially, it's, it, it was sort of a, a tech demo essentially this year that he had set up. Um, but he described it as at Grand Theft Cthulhu, which is just... That alone hooked me. Um, and that's what it is. It's sort of like a top-down uh, isometric view, um, almost like an action-adventure game. Um, he calls it a horror road trip uh, simulator, I think is what he says. Uh, again, you'll hear a bit more about that in the interview I have, we had with him as well. Um, but I loved it. I cannot wait to see more from this game um he said he's been working on it for about two and a half years at the moment he hopes to have it um he's aiming to have it finished by next year so is, is it just he's the only one working on it isn't he uh i'm pretty sure yeah because i yeah. asked him i was like oh do you want studio name whatnot he goes it's just me um but I, he was he was super nice as well um and the enthusiasm that he had for his game was 
what I, it's not what made me enjoy it more, but it, it definitely left an impact on me. And I felt like I was like, I want to talk to you more. So that's why we went back and had a chat with him because I just there was something about him. He was very charismatic and very um, excited to show what he had made. Um, and that's what I love about the indie games section in general. That was he was sort of the epitome of that for me this year. Um, Again, yeah. it's, it's tricky. Like I, I actually said this because we, we've had this discussion a, a couple of times over the weekend. Mm. The indie section is definitely the highlight for that reason, mm-hmm. and it's just I would love to the, the AAA section to get that same advantage, but it's always PR on that side, and that's the tricky yeah. part. That's, that's it. where it gets tough. Yeah, it's always very business by the book, you know. Which it's like fair enough. Like that's yeah, what, yeah. that's, that's they they are a big business. They need to operate like that. There's nothing against that. It's just that yeah, there's something more. There's a real community feel about the indie section, and I'm not. I'm definitely not sitting up here on my high horse going, "Fuck AAA, rah, 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 Because like like we said in the first part, we played Four Honor, and that was fucking awesome. You played it two more times over the weekend, didn't you? Uh, one more time. One more time over the weekend. Like it's, you know, that's right. Brendan played it three times over the weekend. Yeah. It was, like, that was awesome. You know. What you played at fifteen, you really enjoyed, and uh, like it was really good. That all that stuff is is still very important. Um, but I don't know that it, it it was like yep, stand in line, you get in there, you have the the, the very attractive people show you what you're doing, and you're like all right, cool, um, and then that's it. It was it was the same sort of process. Every time you walked up to one of these booths at the indie section, you'd never know what you were really going to get into. Whether the person was going to be super shy, there was a, there was like a thirteen year old kid there that made a game or something. Oh, okay. That he was showing off. Um, it was that uh, the name is escaping me. I didn't play it, but um, it was the one with the the the, the turn based fighting game. Oh um, yeah, I, I cannot remember. Yeah, name. I think it was called. It was like Revenge or yeah. But basically, yeah, there was this like thirteen year old kid who made a game, and then next minute he's showcasing it at a, at a convention with however many people came through the doors over the weekend. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. I really, really, really liked that. Uh, but yeah, you will hear a bit more from Mike towards the end of the show um, with our interview with him. Again, lovely, lovely, lovely guy. Um, go and check out Dead Static Drive and look at some of the artwork as well because the art style is stunning. Um, it's a really... It feels familiar but different. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, I'm I'm very excited to see more about that game. I cannot wait. I hope he uh, sticks to his timeline of uh, of next year. But um, I will patiently wait for him to finish that game. Uh, I also played a game called Defect Spaceship Destruction Kit. And not only did I play this game, I did actually play this game. I watched Brendan play it. But I uh, I also picked up a copy of it for myself. So I'm going to play a little bit more of it and uh, probably report back on it in this week's episode that we do out. But when we go back to our, our normal vanilla episodes um but it was really cool it was basically you build a space you you go out and you fight um other ships in these like sort of like space box essentially and then when you win the mission um your crew decides that your ship is the best ship in the universe and declares mutiny and steals your ship and kicks you out of it makes sense yeah all right right that's Um, i do yeah exactly it's you know seems legit um but you use all the, the resources and scrap that you found on that mission to then build another ship. And you actually do build it. It's like a grid layout, and you can place it the way you want. It had this really cool feeling of um, 
ownership to the the ships that you made even if it was only for one mission but the cool thing is you could save the ships as well and apparently i think you can send them to your friend's game like if your friend's got the copy of the game you can send it to them as well and um but yeah i'm going to dive into that a lot this week and um and probably report back again about that at a later date um this next game that i played though was took me by surprise it was one of the uh the pax uh indie so- showcase winners so every year they pick i think six games to be like the showcase ones that have a write-up in the program and they get a good spot on the floor and um they get a lot of attention drawn towards them uh, and this is one of them it's called the adventure pals by massive monster um it was basically like if uh the behemoth uh or behemoth studios what's that is they're just the behemoth aren't they I'm Castle Crashes. Yeah, and, Castle Crashes and yeah. uh, Block, uh, Block, whatever. Battle Block Theatre. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah the other game, um, unofficial game number three or whatever they called it. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it had a very visual art style like that. Um, the story set up for it is you're a young boy traveling through his childhood um, with his best friend Giraffe that lives in your backpack and he's Pet Rock and he's on a journey to try and save his father from becoming a hot dog. Sure. Yes, a hot dog. Um, that to alone, be fair, yeah. hot dogs are delicious. And, they are. You know. They are. But then there's the worry that the kid, you know, the young boy will be like, can I eat my dad? Well, you know, it may be his dog. dad's not very nice. I don't know. I don't know. If I don't, I'm sorry he here. might be made out of it. He might be a bit tough, a bit grisly. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, does he does he turn into like a hot dog based on his own contents, or he just does he, does he turn into a hot dog? I don't know. I didn't get that far in the game. Oh, well, geez, you've got to find out the answer to these. I will. I will. Well, I'm definitely going to buy it when it comes out. Don't don't you worry about that because um, I played it with my wife and we. It's got uh, two player co op as well, um, and the demo was like a nice sizable chunk of it to get a feel for it. Um, I loved so. <laughs> When you get your your giraffe, he hangs out in your backpack and he has his little head sticking out of it at all times. He's got this little dopey looking little look on his face. Um, But when you jump, you can do a double jump, but you can also jump and hold X, much like most platformer games, um, and you hover. But the way you hover is that the giraffe tilts its head back, sticks its tongue out and uses it as a propeller. So it was kind of like a really twisted, perverted version of like Dixie Kong um, mixed with Banjo-Kazooie. I, 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 I adore it. I adore it so much. Um, it's coming out next year for... You can pre-order it at the moment on PC. Um, I think it'll run you about 12 bucks or something or 15 bucks on Steam. Um, or if you go to... Just, if you look up the Adventure Pals, there'll be like a, a link from the Kickstarter page and stuff as well because it was a Kickstarter game. Um, but it is coming to consoles next year. As soon as that bad boy hits the, uh, the PS4, I will be snapping it up. Um... It was really funny. There was some really cool, like, you know, dialogue. It, it reminded me of that same sort of, like, playful dialogue that you would get in, say, something like Paper Mario, like you were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, so it wasn't overly, you know, M-rated or whatever, but it was, you know, playful and cheeky and, and, and had a bit of fun. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that one as well. Um all right, we're into the uh, mobile games section. This is where Kyron checks out for about 10 minutes. Look, I I try mobile games, I do, but they just never stick with me. 
That's fair. It's I'm nothing not, personal. I'm, no, no, I'm not trying to force them upon anyone. It's just that I quite enjoy playing some some mobile games, and there were some great ones on offer this year. Um, I didn't get to play all uh, all of them. I really wanted to play Ticket to Earth, um, which, from what I can tell, looks like XCOM with a, a match three puzzler. Uh, so it was like a turn based strategy game, but you used to move your characters. You had to use like matching the the, the bricks to move along. Um, and that looks really, really cool. I think it's being made in Melbourne as well. Um, a lot of these, a lot of um, the games that I'm mentioning were either made in Australia or centralised in Melbourne as well, which is really awesome to see. That um, the industry is sort of starting to get back on its feet a little bit here. Um, the crash hit hard a few years ago. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's good to see some of these people, some of the people that we spoke to, um, that were affected by it because they were a part of the industry when it happened, to see them sort of getting back on their feet and making these different, you know, original kinds of ideas and making games that they they might not have made before. Um, But yeah, so I played a game called uh, Cell Surgeon by Enjoy Labs. Uh, Now, this is really cool. So it's like a match four puzzler, but it was centered around a cell, and you actually had to sort of rotate the cell in the 3D space sort of thing uh, and match all the things that you need to match to clear away like infections essentially on the on the on the cell um, and there were different types of infections that had different ways of getting rid of them uh, i've actually bought the game since it was it's like a dollar 50 on the app store um so has my wife she was playing it before while i was playing overwatch um but yeah it's really really cool it's got i think it, one of its uh one of its uh, attractions to it, or one of the things that it boasts, boasts about on its uh, iOS page is that it has over 10 minutes of cutscenes in it. So it's got a fully-fledged storyline. I think there's like 20 missions or something like that to get through. It works on a um, three-star system, which most mobile games do. Um, it works. That, yeah, exactly. It works. It works on that mobile platform as well. Um, you, you, you have a clear indication of what you've done and what you haven't done yet, so you can go back and try and beat those scores and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I'll be playing a lot more of that. It was really, really cool. I actually, I, the guy was impressed with my score. Uh, one of the developers there was impressed with my score on it. Uh, and he gave me a free print of one of the characters from the game. It was really cool. I thought it was lovely. He's a little doctor and he has a pet monkey. I don't know how hygienic that is. It doesn't, it doesn't seem great, but you know, I'm not a doctor, so maybe I'm wrong. Well, he's also in space as well. It's like a spaceship that he's on, so... Not know. sure. Not sure if that changes the, the you know the hygienic nature of it. But I mean, I guess if the, do- the monkey can be a pet, as long as it's not helping him, you know, with the doctor stuff, it should oh, be. He's fine. very clean. He's very. He's got a good sense of hygiene to him. So what you're saying is the monkey does help with the surgery. I cannot confirm that yet. Oh, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> these are the burning uh, questions, Joel. These are the hard hitting stuff that we need to we need to have answered. We have to I'll get back these. to you on that one. I'll All get right. Back to okay. You. You've got, um, you've got time. You've got time. I've got time. Uh, that that game is available right now. It is a dollar fifty. It has no in-app purchases. It is a standalone, premium experience uh, on mobile. And yeah, I highly recommend if you like any kind of match four puzzle games, check it out because I'm a bit of a fiend for those sort of games. And it um it definitely scratched a niche and and put a little bit of a spin on it as well enough to make it stand out from the rest of the games that are out there. Uh, the next game I played was uh, Flingship by uh, Amelius Digital. 
uh, Armelis Digital, I think it is. Uh, it's really, really cool. So you, uh, you're a spaceship, and to move around the arena, it's sort of like presented like asteroids, but to move around the arena and take out enemies, you had to flick in the direction you wanted to move. Um, the enemies would come towards you or fire things towards you as well. Uh, you could only hit them when they turn green. Uh, when they're yellow, you can still hit them, but they can still give you damage if you get hit by them. Uh, and when they're red, they're, you don't you don't want to touch them at all. So it was sort of this sort of ballet of trying to figure out, all right, those ones are green, I can get that one. All right, that one's red, stay away, flick away. Uh, it's very frantic. It, it is a free-to-play game on mobile. It is available right now. I have been playing that as well. Uh, it works as you get contracts to earn coins to upgrade your ships and things like that in the game. But the way you get those contracts is you have to watch an ad. It's like a 30-second ad, and you get a contract. And you can go in, attempt it. If you fail it, you don't get the coins. If you win, you get coins. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's not it's not perfect in the way I, as I've seen some free-to-play games work. But it is, it's a little bit different to some, the way that some games present themselves uh, with free-to-play mechanics. Um, which brings me to my next game that I played, which is Thwart Geo by Outback Pixel. Now... Jez from Outback Pixel had a chat with us. Um, that's going to be at the end of the show as well. He is such a rad dude. I really enjoyed talking to him. He was so uh, inviting and like very, very excited to talk about his game. Um, and as you'll hear in the interview, Ash has been addicted to this. She has been playing this nonstop. She, went, like, she left PAX early on the Saturday and we stuck around for a little bit. Uh, and by the time I got home, she was telling me, she's like, my new high score is 72, and I got this, and I got that, um, and she got addicted to it. It's a really cool game, so you, again, it's like a spaceship, asteroids, kind of geometry wars kind of game, but instead of being twin-stick shooters, you hit the, the left side of the, the screen to turn left, you hit the right side of the screen to turn right, and you hold both down to shoot. But obviously that means you can't shoot at the same time as you're turning. Um, so it sort of you have to sort of rethink about how you play the game. But uh, Jez will tell you all about that at the end of the show in our interview with him. So thank you very much, Jez and Outback, Pix- Outback Pixel. I'm slurring all over my words tonight, Kyron. <laughs> Look, it I'm happens to the, the best of us. It's been yeah. a long weekend. It's been a long weekend. It has, yeah. We've uh, we've been flat out all weekend. I think I'm only slowly catching up on sleep now. I say, up until last night, the amount of sleep we'd had would probably just have barely crept into double digits. Mm. Oh, I doubt it. I, I think even, yeah, between Thursday night, Friday night, there was probably, I would say, maybe eight hours for me of sleep. And then maybe another five or six on top of that on Saturday night. Oh. See, you sort of creep into double digits. See? I guess. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. So that, this, this week is for catching up. <laughs> I've got it all day off tomorrow, so I've got to, I'm going to catch up on my sleep then and uh, get this podcast out as well. Uh, the last mobile game that I played at PAX in the PAX Rising Indie section was Barking Irons by Sleepyhead Studios. Um, this was an interesting little game. I had a lot of fun with this one. This one is you're a cowboy. It's like a very like pixel art style world. You're a cowboy. It was an, an endless game, like a score attack game. And basically you hold down from the cowboy and then aim up like a slingshot and let go to hit enemies that are up in the um, 
in the, the field, essentially. There's like four different environments that you travel through. There's boss fights. Um, I really found this, uh, this one interesting. There was nothing really revolutionary about the game, um, but there was something about the art style to it that really suckered me in. Um, and, I, you know, it's fun to be a bit of a cowboy, even if it's like a slingshot cowboy. Um, this game is out for free at the moment. It is a full, fully fledged game that has normally has a price tag of about a dollar fifty, um, but it is out for free at the moment because, and I want to mention this because uh, I read it in the uh, iTunes description. the The guys from Sleepyhead Studios are doing Movember at the moment, so they have made the game free for the entirety of November. But all they ask in return, if you feel like it, is to donate to their uh, their page, their their team for November, which I did because I was like, that's a really good idea. Um, so yeah, they're, they're essentially donating all their profits from the game that they would make normally to the Movember. And uh, I think it's prostate cancer and uh, depression, men's depression, I think as well. It's a really good cause for sure. Absolutely. So I, I thought that was really, really uh, admirable of, of Bar, uh, Sleepyhead Studios. So go it's and check out. definitely very awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I was like, absolutely. And I, I think I gave him like four bucks as well. I was like, yeah, this is a really good idea, guys. Keep it up. And I like your game. So that is Barking Irons. Go and check that one out too. This next game, Kyron. Oh, I cannot wait for this game. It, you, were, it, you were talking about this game a lot. I did. I was like, I, I had like neon glow eyes after I played this game. Uh, this is a game called Desync by the Foregone, the Foregone Syndicate. Um, it's being published by Adult Swim Games as well. So that's quite noticeable as well. I think it might have been made in Melbourne as well. I'm trying to think if it had the pink line across the top. It's hard to tell because it it, it, the whole color palette of the game is like fluoro pink and like turquoise and things like that so um this game is it's a first person shooter uh it's for pc only they and they specified that to me one of the guys who was working there specified that to me said it's a pc game um because i mentioned the game is very similar to bulletstorm and if you're a listener of the show you know that i love my i love me some bulletstorm no yeah like i love that game love it kyron love it (laughs) um so uh, Desync takes what Bulletstorm did with like the kill with skill, um, like combos and score attacks sort of stuff that they added to that game, uh, and that it sort of it takes that one on board. But instead of being hyper violent and crass and crude, which don't get me wrong, I still loved um, this one sets it in sort of like a Tron esque, like neon fueled world where you're fighting these sort of like. Uh, I don't know too much about the storyline or anything like that through it because I, I played what I'm assuming is a single-player campaign, but I don't know how it all fits together. Um, if there is any storyline at all, if it's just a, a base game. But this game is so fast-paced. The pacing of the game is very... had a Quake 3 feel to it. Um, I haven't played anything that fast-paced for a long time, especially like in terms of a first-person shooter. And I, I haven't played anything like that that I felt like I was actually okay at. Um, I died a lot, but I learned. I kept learning, and I'm like, all right, cool, I know how to do this as well. It also adds a dash button. So the shift key was a dash button, so you could dash in either direction. 
Uh, and you got points as well. If you like evaded an enemy's attack, it would add that to your score multiplier for that particular enemy. Um, and there's like a multitude of weapons. Like there was a shotgun that was like a normal shotgun with its primary fire. Its secondary fire was a shuriken trap. So basically you put like a spinning like windmill in the ground. And if an enemy stepped into it, they'd get flung through the air and stunned essentially. So what I was trying to do is lay like lure an enemy out, place that on the ground, fling it up to the air, and then try and blast him out of the air with the shotgun, which I did a couple of times, and it looked awesome. <laughs> well, it was look, really good. It's the flashiness that matters, Joel. It is. It is very. It's very style points. Yeah, exactly. So the guy was was telling me as well. I didn't grab his name unfortunately, but he was telling me that they wanted to go for that sort of like accuracy in a first person shooter that you can only really get on a PC. Uh, with the mouse and keyboard controls, um, and it, I, I feel like that it's very it it got challenging. He chucked me to a later level, um, and it got pretty tough. I didn't finish the level before the demo ended, unfortunately. But it's oh, really, get really good. Cool. I know. I'm well. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be getting good because I'm gonna get that game when it comes out. Uh, it says on its Steam page at the moment. It is up on Steam essentially now. Uh, you can't pre-order or anything or anything. It says coming 2016 i think he said to me they're aiming for the start of 2017 now so keep an eye out for it it's called desync as in d-e-s-y-n-c that was really really excellent fun to play so such fast paced oh i just adrenaline pumping it was really good well i saw that everyone who was playing that game sort of stuck with it for a fair while because i guess they couldn't put it down yeah, that would, like everyone that would play the game would would play the entire length of the demo. It was on a timed demo. I think it was like fifteen minutes or so, um, and that they they were playing it from go to woe. And I was like really annoyed at first because I'm waiting in line going, "Oh come on, just you've played the game enough. Just let me play it now." And then I played it and went, "Oh no, I get it. It had a very Super Meat Boy vibe to it in terms of when you died, respawn was just hit R and you were back straight into it. There was no load screen. It was like snap back into the action." Um, and those type of games where you're going to be dying a lot, a lot, over and over and over again, that instant respawn is critical. So it's good to see that they implemented that one in desync. Oh boy, we're almost there, Karen. I promise. <laughs> I went a bit crazy. I'm sorry. No, look, no, this is no problem. Like I said, like I spent a lot of time. Honestly, on Saturday and Sunday, just wandering the show floor. And, like, I looked at a lot of indie games. I just didn't get a chance to play many of them. Yes, yeah. Well, actually, I didn't get a chance to play this next game, but I, I really want to, um, especially after speaking with the guys from the studio as well. Uh, this game is called Damsel by Screwtape Games. Um, I spoke to Meg at first from Screwtape, who was very lovely and agreed to sort of chat to us on the Sunday. I spoke to her on Saturday. Um, and when I back, went back on Sunday, she was already losing her voice on the Saturday. And when I went back on Sunday, she was like, I'm just going to grab Anthony because I really don't, I would hate for us to do an interview and for my voice to drop out halfway through. So um, thank you anyway, Meg. But we did speak to Anthony and he was just as lovely and just as passionate about his game. Had some really good things to say about uh, what they were trying to do with the game. Uh, basically, you pay as uh, Agent Damsel. And she races around the world, keeping humanity safe from the forces of evil. It is a like a score attack uh, platformer. Uh, they were saying to me that there's only a few locations that they're going to have in the game. Like I think there's about eight locations, but each and you would be revisiting them over and over again. 
But each time you revisit them, um, the enemies get a little bit smarter and they put traps down or they might change the layout slightly or something like add stuff to the game to make it a little bit more challenging. Um, but yeah, and the art style of it looks really, really cool as well. Uh, but Anthony will tell you all about that in our interview with him at the end of the show. Um, he's got some really cool stuff to say about um, female league characters in games and things like that, which was great to hear. Um, really, really awesome guy. All right. That's pretty much it for the indies for me. For me personally, there's one more that you played, isn't there? Ah, uh, yeah. There's one more. The, the next two we'll be probably be talking about will bring us back to the Sony booth. Yes, indeed. Do you want to tell us about your your what you played at the Sony booth, Kyron? Sure, we may as well since it keeps in in uh, line with the indie theme that the mm. middle chunk of this episode has been. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I tried out a game called Retrovision at the Sony booth. It's by uh, yes. No. Which <laughs> no, I'm not saying no. It's N N O O O, which are an Australian uh, video game developer and publisher based in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I only got I only had a short bit of hands on time with it, but it was really it was really cool. Pretty simple, uh, very cool, like neon, I guess, sort of art style. Yeah. Basically, the camera moves down what would be I get best described as a cylinder. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and you Some can use the tunnel. L- L2 and R2 to sort of rotate it to sort of collect coins as you're going down. And as you're going down, like there's a really, there's a really fun soundtrack playing in the background. Really got like, again, music and visuals hooked me immediately. Yes. And yep. as you get further down, like the obstacles uh, get faster and a bit harder to dodge. And yeah, really simple, but really interesting. And it's, yeah, it's one of the PlayStation first things they were taught well showing there. So oh. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of that. Yeah, uh, it had a very um, what was it? Is it super hexagon or? Yeah, I guess you could compare it sort of to hexagon. Yeah, that's... yeah, it was kind of like that. So, uh, but I I much preferred the visuals of this than I did of super oh, hexagon. Man. Super hexagon is oh, I love that game. It's pretty um, good. Yeah. It's gorgeous, and the soundtrack to that was fantastic. And this one has its own sort of style. But yeah, now you, now you mentioned that, it's probably a good way to compare it because you're trying to rotate to get through obstacles and collect yep. stuff as you're going down. It was a little bit more more music-centric as well because yeah. you picked your stage and you also got to pick what song you wanted to play as well. Yeah. So I don't know if there's some sort of rhythm element. It's hard to tell when you're on the show floor because yeah. you can obviously hear it but not hear it super well. That particular one didn't have headphones, I don't think, No, did it? it didn't, which I feel yeah. like is a really missed opportunity with that one. Yeah. But, mm. uh, but what I did hear, the soundtrack was amazing. And if yep. nothing else, it, like I said, the visuals hooked me immediately. I love games that look like that. Yeah. That, that, well, it, 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 that's why I love Desync as well. It had a very similar like color palette and um, lots of bright neon that when you looked away from the screen, you had to wait for 30 seconds for your eyes to readjust to the real world. Because like, uh, that, that C word, that C word is back, Joel. The color. C word? Color. Yes. <laughs> And that was the thing that was really interesting, not just in the indie section, on the whole show floor. It was colourful. Like, there was so much colour. Colourful games everywhere, and I'm so happy. Yeah, with death to death to the brown waist-high walls. Like, that's... Now, they're colourful waist-high walls. Yeah, but they're yeah. colourful. That's the main exactly. thing. Exactly. They're interesting to look at. That's a good thing. It's important. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of colour, which is really, really cool. Like, you... 
you were on the verge of being slightly overstimulated at all times when you looked around the show floor. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I've got so much to look at. And then you put a VR headset on, and you're like having a seizure on the ground because you've just because you've the maxed are even, out. They're even closer, and there's no escape from them. You, you've maxed out. It was jam-packed with color. Oh, jam-packed. There you go. I told you. you, you. Remembered. you I remembered. told you I was going to put it in there, Kyron. I was going to put it in there. Jam-packed, baby. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but to stray away from the indie theme slightly, you also played a game at the Sony booth, didn't you? I did, directly behind uh, Retrovision, uh, which we we saw Retrovision because I w- we wanted to go and have a look at this game, uh, which is Gravity Rush 2. Um, this game was really exciting to play. Um, it felt good to get back into the shoes of Cat and just float around. Um there's something about that floating mechanic that when you were falling through and she just sort of feels like you have control over her, but she just looks like she's just letting herself go and float through the air. Uh, and this time playing it on a PS4 uh, on like a big screen. Uh, and again, very colorful as well. The first game had a very sort of like ready brown color palette to it um, because of the type of city. It was almost like a very... Like a like an old French cartoon style to it, I guess you could say. Maybe. <laughs> well, look, I honestly didn't get very far into the first game for reasons okay. I'll get into once you talk about the second one a bit. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, lots and lots of color in this one. Uh, the city that you're in is a trading town, so there's like ships always coming in in the background, like floating in through the air and stuff. You can just see them all driving around, um, which is great to look at. Uh, the gameplay mechanics are pretty much the same. You use uh, the gravity to float in the air, and then you can like uh, aim with L2 and then sort of fall towards a point. Um, and yeah, it just feels... Controlled chaos is a good way to describe it. You You feel like you're floating without any control whatsoever, but you know that you can actually uh, impact your direction and, and have some influence over where you're flying. Um and it comes into like combos as well with the combat, uh, which is cool. You can like kick through the air and then kick from one enemy to another enemy and then fly around all that way. Uh, I'm really excited to get back to this, Kyron. Even if it has been delayed, uh, I'm so excited to get back to this. Um, I'm going to buy Gravity Rush Remastered and play it again, I think, because I in- thoroughly enjoyed that game on the Vita. It's one of the first games I finished on my Vita, and I just adore it. Um, I don't know, it's just something about it. I just I played it non-stop for about three weeks until I finished it. I really enjoyed it, what I played. Mm-hmm. And, this, and the reason I'm so excited for Gravity Rush 2 is my biggest issues with Gravity Rush 1 were right. not the game's fault. They were the Vita's fault. Mm-hmm. Like, I, ha- I just had moments of just struggling with those tiny little controls. Like, yeah. the, little, the little knobs and the little, like triangle square circle x buttons were just sometimes really fiddly and and i just developed times when it just frustrated the hell out of me the idea of playing it on an actual controller on a big screen that makes me so excited because the game yeah. itself like the idea of it and what i was doing was really interesting and the, the art the style con- as well yeah cell shaded art style yeah and the cutscenes were really interesting as well like very yep. very uh comic like in how they played out mm-hmm as, a, as an overall experience, I was so into it, but I guess the controls just wrench 
straight in the in the works for me, unfortunately. That's fair. But and we, my eyes are on this one for sure. Well, we've spoken in the past about the Vita, and and I think we figured out over the weekend why I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I have tiny, tiny, tiny hands. So, um, like, not Donald Trump tiny. Like, they they're still relatively normal in size to my body, but I have like tiny short fingers as well. Uh, so it, it feels relatively comfortable for me. Like, it's not overly com- comfortable, but I can play it for extended periods of time without having to like restretch my hand out or anything like that. So. Uh, that makes sense. That would be a definite barrier of entry for you to enjoy that game. But I mean, hey, look, Gravity Rush Remastered's out. It's been yeah, out for a while. It's on it's sale t- at the moment. Yeah, but there's just we're on the cusp, Joel. The cusp. We've got Pokemon. We've got Fifteen. We've got Lost Guardian. It's all right. It's a good stopgap filler. You need something to play in the next couple of weeks. That's the stopgap filler game. Joel, I have Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're, about when we're not online? You, you got. I'll have. I'll have Sombra. <laughs> You'll have Sombra. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a topic for, for this week. We'll get to that in the next episode. Um, anyway, yeah. I will I will definitely try and pick up the remastered one because I, I unfortunately don't think I'll get Gravity Rush 2 at launch. Yeah, because when's it coming out again? Oh, it's. I think it's in January, but it's. I feel like it's close to Resident Evil 7. Oh, okay, cool. Then I have an excuse to not buy Resident Evil 7. Yeah, Great. okay, we get it. You're, you're a scaredy cat. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. You can be a scaredy cat. Not, not yeah, I am. I'm totally okay, a scaredy cool. cat. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we're okay with this. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get badges and jackets made. Oh, good. But say scaredy cat, scaredy cat, scaredy cat club. Yep, that's me. That's what Speaking you can call cats. your investigation team in uh, Persona Five. Oh, I'm totally doing that. The scaredy cat club. The scaredy cat club. I'm absolutely calling them that. That's my name. Fuck it. Thank you for that. Oh, um, no problem. You're a scaredy cat here. <laughs> but speaking of cats, that's the other thing I love about Gravity Rush is Cat, the main character that you play as, has a cat friend sidekick that comes along with her, and it's a galaxy cat. It does, it, and it looks good. It looks lo- so cool. I love it. Who oh, doesn't want a galaxy cat? I'm I'm tempted to like get some white paint and like flick it over my black cat and be like, I have a galaxy cat now. But then I feel like <laughs> don't you know, do that. Please. I would lose my cat. You know, to the. RSPs, yeah, or whatnot. So. You, you probably would, and I honestly think they would probably be well within their rights. Yeah, I, and I would probably be like, yeah, fair call. I probably <laughs> After should you've like, done it, okay, probably shouldn't have done that. That's yeah, nah, you've, you've got me there. I probably should lay off the sauce after this one. That, yeah, that's, that's my bad. Yeah. Oh, can I have my cat back now, please? Uh, no, you can't, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much it for what we played at the show um, on the weekend. I'm sure there's something we've forgotten, but... It's just not coming to mind at the moment. But uh, there was a lot of tabletop stuff as well I was really excited for. Um, I picked up a couple of tabletop games as well. Uh, I also picked up Orwell, uh, which I'm really excited to get into. I did play the demo of that. Um, I'm going to touch on that, I think, in the next episode of of the vanilla dialogue options. And, uh, yeah, that was really, really intriguing concept that it has. Sort of like a more dystopian-y 1984 meets Papers, Please. Uh, so I got a I, copy of that. I liked the aesthetic it had when I was yeah, looking at it. Very, the characters, very cool. Yeah. Sort of like weird vector graphics and stuff like that. Like voxel style, sorry. Um, and the way the interface sort of worked sort of not exactly because obviously the the elements were a bit different, but it reminded me very much of a Her Story scenario. Ah, uh, yeah. Because Her Story, like you're watching videos, which obviously... I, 
I'm not sure if there's video in this, but it was similar sort of, it felt like you were sort of interacting with a real world, like a browser and stuff like yeah. that. You know? Yeah. It, it definitely has that feeling to it as well. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of cool tabletop stuff. I bought a game that's going to help me apparently speak Japanese. I'm curious to see if that works, man. Yeah. I'll be I'll be paying attention. Oh yeah, it's called Japanese the Game. It's a card game, um, and I bought uh, I spent quite a bit of money on it. But I mean, you know, it's something my wife and I can play, and we're planning on going to Japan hopefully next year. So, we'll, you know, if we can have a few, at least a few sentences up our sleeve that we need to have, that'd be cool. Um, and they were very adamant, the people who made the game were very adamant that it will, if you play the game, and you play the game regularly, it will it will teach you how to speak Japanese. And so, why not? I don't know how to speak a language, so. <laughs> uh, you can speak English. I can speak English, barely. <laughs> barely, Kyra, let's face it, like, you've heard me, you've listened to these episodes. <laughs> I'm in I, these episodes. Yeah, yeah, but like, you've, you've, you've reviewed the footage up post- Post recording, yeah, I get I get a little wild, um, <laughs> Jesus. But there was lots of stuff uh, at PAX that necessarily wasn't just games as well, which is cool. That's why I love the convention. It's just it's a celebration of everything gaming, whether it be tabletop, miniatures, video, you name it. It was you know role-playing, all that kind of stuff. Um, including some very, very impressive cosplay. Holy shit, there was some good cosplay there. Oh, and specifically, there was some really good Overwatch cosplay. Some, like, we 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 had nearly every Overwatch character accounted for. We did, for. yeah. yeah. We, there was what? We didn't see a Winston. Or a Torbjorn. We, or a Torbjorn. And or technically Sombra. Sombra. We didn't see Sombra, <laughs> but, you know... We we held out hope. We thought maybe Sunday someone would throw one together and just do like a I would shit have been, sombra. I would have been so happy if it had happened. I would have yeah, they would have got the biggest high five ever. I mean I guess technically it may have. We didn't see, we probably didn't see mm. every cosplay. That's very true. Um but, we did see a big group of them though on Sunday. Standing outside. Yeah. Very uh, cool. So good. And so many like lo fi divas as well and gremlin divas. Which made me so happy. So good. <laughs> People had thrown together like cardboard box mech suits, uh, and they looked great. There were a couple that looked just absolutely spot on. Um, but yeah, there was some like there was that there was a Mercy that was there was Witch Mercy that looked awesome. Witch Mercy was very good, uh, and Junkenstein. There was a Junkenstein there, and that was super detailed too. Like the canisters, like the blue canisters they had looked they really had, good. They had liquid in them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think you're right. They were. Very- very, very impressive. Very detailed. Oh, yeah. There was a Reinhardt. There was a fucking Reinhardt. There was, there was a couple of Reinhardts, but there was a very... Uh, like, the Reinhardt... It, Reinhardt's tricky to cosplay, I imagine, because yeah. he's obviously built different to a human, in far as proportions mm-hmm. go. So sometimes the cosplay may not come out quite right, but there was someone who did a really good job of capturing it, which was cool. Yeah, uh, it was super impressive. Like, um, I've got a few photos that... Well, we both have a few photos that we took of uh, a giant Overwatch cosplay meetup on the Sunday out in the steps of the convention centre. Um, and I took a video of this as well, where they actually... Um, they all started uh, basically bobbing up and down, like teabagging essentially. 
and all just saying, hello, 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 hello. My ultimate is charging. My ultimate is charging. And it was hilarious. Like, Especially if you played Overwatch, because that's basically how every game starts. Oh, yeah. And then after a while, I think one of the Lucios just went, oh, let's break it down. And then everyone started dancing. Like, it was just great to see him having a good time. Uh, Zarya lifted up the Widowmaker as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Oh, there was a great Zarya, Joel. Oh, the one we did, like, right at the end of Sunday. Yeah. yeah. It was a dude as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. he had the, um, the static electricity ball thingy. Yes. In his gun. Oh, holy crap, it looked good. It looked perfect. Like, it was People so are really good. talented, man. <laughs> I wish I was... I, I would love to be that talented or that uh, creatively minded to be able to put something like that together. It was just super impressive to look at. I just, I loved it. It was, I got, I, I got excited every time I saw one. Even if it was one I'd already seen, I was like, oh, look, there's a mercy. Oh, look over there. Look, look at the May. Um, Ash got a photo with one of the Mays because she was a uh, uh, really impressive ones. There was actually about, there was about four or five, like, super impressive Mays. They were, like, on point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, aside from Overwatch, Overwatch aside, there was some just great cosplay in general on the show floor. Yeah, there was those, those cool guys running around in the uh, giant like T-Rex costumes dressed as the Sailor Scouts. Oh, that was so good. And they were playing Sailor Just Man. Dance at one point. Yep. Yeah, that was so good too. Um, there was I, I saw a, a simple one on the Friday. I saw a couple of guys walking in with um, uh, like Pixel uh, Mario Kart characters. And they also had them on their front as well. So they had like what you would see from behind them when you're playing Mario Kart and what you would see from in front of them. And I'm talking like Super Mario Kart as well. It's like 8-bit sprites or 16-bit sprites. And then they also, I saw later on in the day, had headbands with a black square and items in them so they could switch out items so it looked like they were carrying items above their head. It was very clever and very simple. And I was I, I like that because I'm like, I could do something like that if I was smart enough and thought of it before you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Just the, some of the, the simple stuff as well was really cool. There was, yeah, there was just so much great cosplay for, oh, yeah. across the whole weekend. Yeah. Do, uh, well, there was one that, that you saw that we actually met the person who cosplayed today while we were in Melbourne. Oh yeah, there was. There was a really, there was a, in, an incredible Artorias cosplay. Yeah. Which was... if, if people know me, they might know that I'm sort of, you know, kind of a fan of Dark Souls. Oh, just casually. Uh, yeah, just. I, yeah. I mean, it's not that. It's not. It's not that big a deal. You know, it's, no. it's, it's okay, I guess. Um, but Artorius is, of course, one of the coolest characters in Dark Souls. <laughs> For anyone who's played the Dark Souls game, specifically Dark Souls One, which he is in in the DLC. Right. Uh, Artorius of the Abyss, like he is just badass, and it's the costume looked great. So detailed. The sword looked amazing. Just looked. Mm. I didn't incredible. see it in person, but I saw photos of it and. It yeah, well, you know, it, re- retweeted by, you know, the Bandai account and the, the, the Dark Souls account, so... Yeah, like, that was super impressive. And then today we were uh, we were at EB Games on Swanson Street and just happened to be the girl serving me behind the counter because I was putting my Pokemon uh, Pokemon Sun on pre-order. And uh, she was like, oh, did you have a good PAX weekend? And we're like, yeah, it was great. And, and then somehow we started talking about cosplay and she's like, yeah, I was cosplaying. And then she said what she was, and Kyron was like, 
I looked at him and he was like, I remember you. I saw you. It was amazing. And then you guys basically just nerded out about Dark Souls for about 10 minutes while she was trying to serve me as well. Everyone should have to play Dark Souls. It's like you just have to play at least Dark Souls 1 and 3. You just have to. One's the one I haven't played. You played three. Oh, Joel. Joel. (laughs) Re-release it on the PS4 and I'll play it. You specifically, Kyron, re-release it on Me? the PS4. Me? Oh, yeah. oh, you have God. to do it. That's the no, specification. Oh, no, I'm just going to play it on PC. Sorry, man. You're <laughs> Too many gankers uh, out there. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, there was like, some great panels as well. Um, we didn't get to as many panels this year as we normally would. Yeah, well, um, there was unfortunately... like So there were some cool ones, and it just so happened that a lot of the cool ones we wanted to see were Clashes. Oh, unfortunately yeah. yes which was a bummer um you saw a great horror one about like storytelling and horror and things like that wasn't it yes yes mm. on saturday night it was a very it was very very cool it was by oh where's that i've got the packs up open so i can remember their names uh, with a terrible fate isn't it yeah with a terrible yeah. fate which if you've you know the, the the zelda majora's mask creepypasta will sound familiar oh yes but it was it was a panel that was basically run by Aaron, Nathan, and Layla, I think is her name. And it was, it was really interesting. It talked a lot about, you know, horror and storytelling and sort of, you would have actually, you would have really enjoyed it. I think Joel. I, look, I, I wanted to go to it, but, uh, there was zero jump scares. I, yeah, no, I was interested in, in, from reading up about what the, what the panel was about. I actually was really interested in going to it, but I did want to go check out the band stuff, which I'll get to in a minute, but. Yeah, so I, I'm I am sad I missed it, because um, it sounded really interesting. But you enjoyed but, it, yeah? Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, it, it basically, the, the main ones it touched upon were Five Nights at Freddy's, of mm-hmm. course, of course. Uh, Bloodborne came up. Oh, lovely. Uh, Amnesia came oh, up. God, they're speaking your language, <laughs> I know. And Majora's Mask. Yep. Uh, Tick in the um, boxes. Silent Hill 2. Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know. And there was one more, I feel, but yeah. But it's just like, that's a list of games that Kyron really loves to talk about when it comes to horror. <laughs> check, 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 check. Oh, it was also a bit of Bioshock talk as well. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was very cool. Probably, yeah. probably my panel highlight of the weekend, apart from, you know, 28 Plays Later, which is always amazing. Oh, 28 Plays Later was great. I Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that one as well. Um, but... Like I said before, I left the horror panel to go and check out some of the concert stuff on the Saturday night, um, and I thought the band that I wanted to see was going to be playing first ended up they were playing last. So I went and saw a little bit of Axis of Awesome. They were they were great. I'd never seen them before. They were fun. Uh, Jordan was killing it. Uh, they were a band member down for the night. I think they one of their, their band members was sick. And couldn't make it, unfortunately. So they still trucked on, put on a good show for what I saw. Uh, then we went and had dinner. And I went back after dinner because I wanted to see uh, a band called 7-Bit Hero. Now, they've played a couple of times at PAX in the past. And I've wanted to go and see them. But I've never got around to it because of things that have happened. and we're just I've never been able to get along to one of their, the, the, the shows. Uh, the reason I wanted to go along is because they were sort of, they described themselves as bit pop. Um, so B I T pop, uh, and they 
have an interactive element to their show. So basically the show starts, you download an app uh, and you connect to their Wi-Fi that they have their Wi-Fi router that they have running. You connect to that, you jump in, you hit live show and you wait for certain parts in the show where your phone will vibrate and ask you to join. And if you're one of like, say they get like, there's a narrative that's playing on the screen behind them as they play through their songs. Uh, and as they're going through the songs, it's like this really cute narrative with these really cool, like, you know, blocky style characters, um, all designed by the, 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 the band themselves as well. And there'll be one point where it's like, you know, all right, I need 12, like the, the character in the thing will be like, I need 12 of you guys to help me out to do this. And like, so it'll randomly sit like 12 people from like the gate, like who are logged into the game essentially. And you get to play like a little mini game, which might just, it was like a lot of like pressing it, like just tapping the screen a lot and, and things like that. Um, I managed to get in halfway through the, uh, the, their, their show. Um, I was there for the whole thing, but I managed to get into the game halfway through the show because obviously there was a lot more people there than they probably normally would have at a, a more intimate setting. Um, and I managed to get up on the screen as well. And like my character was up there because you design a little character, you like give him like what color pants and shirt you want and hairstyle and skin color and give it a name. And then, yeah, you just sort of wait. And it was just strange extra layers of this show that I could not stop smiling the entire time. I was there by myself and I just, I could not stop smiling. It was so joyous and fun. And the music was so good as well. They had a song that like basically sampled the, the bubble bubble theme song and it was amazing. Uh, and yeah, so it has this whole narrative through as well. And there was a winner at the end. So uh, there was a, the person who got the highest score throughout the entire show got to go up on stage and do like an augmented reality thing with a, a Vive controller on his head and it, it didn't work and it, so they had to restart the computer and they had to do this awkward Q&A. But it was all just so much fun. Like, I've never seen anything like that before and it was just a treat. An absolute treat, Kyron. Yeah, well, you play a bit of a 7-bit hero i think it was one of their cds in the car on the yeah I, I bought their cd i bought a shirt i bought a finger laser from them and i actually spoke to the guys afterwards as well and they were really genuine guys really lovely had a chat to them about overwatch and stuff as well which is cool yeah well it, it sounded really good I'm, I'm bummed i was essential i was burnt out on saturday night oh yeah and full of food as well probably didn't help yeah, we went to a buffet, which was a mistake, I think. <laughs> Only in hindsight. At the time, it was incredible. But yeah. in hindsight, it was a great idea, not a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the, the last thing that PAX before, always before we up. Before we oh. get back into that, yeah. I also, I forgot to mention in here that I want to, one thing I want to see next year is I want to see, I wanna, I'm definitely going to go and see more of the speedrunning stuff as well. Oh, that's right. They had a speedrunning area, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, a little speedrunning area because they took the handheld lounge and sort of moved it out into the walkway. Which was great on its own as well. Yeah. I mean, it was like a like a pseudo AFK room. Yeah, it was pretty chill because obviously tabletop can get sort of loud sometimes and it was actually nice yeah. having the handheld lounge out there. It was great. We we, that's where there. we spent Friday, yeah. was it? Friday night? Yeah, we, we hung out there Friday night waiting for Brod to finish his, uh, his enforcer shift. and uh, Yeah. Yeah. We so bumped into Josh doing? from OK Games and had a chat with him. Very cool dude. Mm, it's lovely. Yeah, it's the first time you met him, wasn't it? Yeah, it actually was, and he was yeah. very nice. Rad dude. Very much so. And, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I wish I'd spent more time at that speedrunning stage because 
there was some very cool stuff here. I saw a bit of the Metroid Fusion run and it made me feel bad about how I play that game because <laughs> they just put me to shame. I was like, oh God, here they go. They're going to fight Nightmare. Oh, oh, there goes Nightmare. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Next tick. Yeah, nothing, whatever. Just get rid of him. So Jesus. yeah, definitely want to go back to that next year. I hope, it's, I hope it gets more attention. I would love it if it was... I'm not sure if it was being streamed. It could have been. I think it was. I spent, can tell like, on the, the, the side thing because... I actually know. I think I saw a tweet about it. Apparently, they were still going like after the show had closed. People okay, were cool. still speed running and stuff. So, I was trying. I was scouring Twitter. I'm trying to find if there's like a, a, a an Australian speed gamer hub. I can't remember what the, they had it. I think it was like I think it was like ASM, like Australian Speed Gamers, something or I don't know. Because obviously, I've got I've got games done quick on lock. That's easy to find. But I'd love oh, to, to find the Australian one and just track it down and just keep an eye on it. Because yeah, speedrunning is awesome. I'll have a look love in it. my um, program and see if they have anything about that in there. Cool. Well, then get back to me. I will. I will let you know. Cool. I just wanted to interject with that. Now we can continue. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Absolutely, dude. I mean, that was. It's a really important thing because it was a new edition, and from what I could tell, it seemed like it was a really popular edition as well that people were really into. So, uh, it's good to see that kind of stuff making a. a a bit of a, a appearance, uh, I guess you could say, these days yeah. in the, on the show floor. So, Very neat. Good stuff. Um, but PAX always rounds out every year with the, uh, with the Omegathon final. Now, the Omegathon, if you're not sure about, if you've never been to PAX or heard of it, um, when you buy your ticket, you can opt in to potentially be selected as an Omeganaut, which basically means you get to become a VIP for the weekend. Uh, and play a whole bunch of games. You have there's a whole bunch of rounds that you have to get through, and they play anything. Like I remember the final round of the first PAX Australia was Tetra, uh, was Jenga, big Jenga, big Jenga. And I've never seen a more tense game of Jenga because um, if you win, if you win the Omegathon, you get to go to a PAX of your choice the next year. I think Fantastic in Australia, prize. I think in Australia they used to only be you get to go back to PAX Australia next year and basically defend your title, I think it was they used to do. Um, but this year they offered the winner uh, a trip to any PAX in the US as well. So What a prize. What a yeah. prize. So it's really cool and it's you know worth fighting for and you get to be a bit of a rock star while you're doing it as well, which is great. I think there's like 16 of them that get selected and they whittle them down throughout uh, various rounds through the weekend. Well, that uh, main theater was packed. For that oh finale. yeah. So this finale uh, th- throughout the weekend, the, the rounds they played, I saw they were playing. Uh, Uno was one of the rounds they played. Um, I don't. There know was a it ridiculous was like. stint in Boppet. Oh yes, there. Uh, one of the girls in Boppet who unfortunately didn't make it to the final round, um, but she won. Obviously, won this round. She got a score of 200 on Boppet, the, uh, the, the music insane. toy. <laughs> and apparently we had a friend who was there working and he said it was, it was insane to watch. Like it was actually insane to watch. Um, it, it on the, if you go to the Twitch stream, like if you go to the, like the Twitch dump, I think, I think he said it was about nine and a half hours in to that stream. If you jump to that point, that was when the, uh, it was taking place. And apparently it's, it goes for about 10 minutes of this one girl playing Bop It. It was her first attempt at it, and they, they all got three attempts, but because she went for so long she was and got such a big score, she was like, no, nah, I'm going to sit on that. That's, that's my score. That, and why wouldn't you? That's oh, God, so yeah. impressive. Um, but yeah, so the final round this year, though, they stepped into the virtual world for this one. 
Uh, and it didn't. It it wasn't a smooth experience at first. Okay, it wasn't at first. It was very. It was very much like when I saw Seven Big Hero. They, there was a restart involved. Um, Jerry Q and A. Yeah, exactly. Impromptu Q and A run by Mike from Penny Arcade. Jerry from Penny Arcade actually went and did some like IT tech stuff to try and get this. As he said, he says, "I'm going to go do some shit," uh, which warranted much much applause. Um, but they. Finally got it all up and running, and our two finalists, who were both female, uh, which was fucking unreal. Uh, really, really, really cool. The final round was a game called Cowbots and Aliens, and it was a like 1v1 Wild West shootout, uh, and it went for about 45 minutes. Shit got intense during that. It got that. hectic. And to see these two people who, I don't know whether the, 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 the two girls had ever played any VR prior to that point but to see them pick up this this game that they'd never played and sort of like it was a bit janky at first them trying to like maneuver around and and get the the hang of the mechanics but after about the third or fourth round holy shit like they started adapting some crazy strategies like oh yeah they had it down oh yeah and they figured out you could like smash bottles and like stab people with them you could um, pick up objects and use them as cover. Oh, that was insane. Yeah, so like one of the girls picked up like a, a, a crate uh, and used it as a shield and had a, 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 like a, a six gun in her, her other hand and was using this uh, crate as a shield to block her from her enemies and shoot with the other hand. And uh, it, it worked as well. And like leaning under doors to try and like sneaky shoot because they, they had to obviously teleport around the arena like you do with the Vive controller normally. Um and but when you do that, that basically alluded, uh, alerted the other player to where you were. They could see that, um, and it was just weird, sort of cat and mouse uh, VR, super tense and um, lots of really baiting movement as well. Yeah, that was insane. Like all the baiting stuff, the, like the baiting of the teleports. Um, and I also the, it obviously goes without mentioning that uh, definitely definitely double shotgun op. <laughs> oh, double shotgun, yeah. Yeah, although the pistol had a bit of range and like speed as well, because the reload on the shotgun was pretty pretty uh, hefty. Um, but yeah, what a way to close out packs. I mean, you know, is there anything you wish you could have done during the weekend, Karen? Oh, look, there's plenty of stuff that I, I wish I could split myself into two and and spend more time doing. Mm, right. But for the most part, like I did a lot of the stuff I wanted. Yeah, same. Um. I'm sad I didn't get to play more VR, but at least we've played VR now. I'm sad that I played Until Dawn as my VR. And I know. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kari. That was my fault. <laughs> there was no oh. fucking way I was playing that game, dude. There was no way. Oh, I was. I was. I would have sat there for another half an hour until I waited for another unit. I would have been like, "Nope, sorry, not playing that." For what it's um, worth, it wasn't very scary. For you, for me, it would have been fucking terrifying. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I would like to have gone to the free play, the, the VR free play arena and check that out. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, VR there. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more next year. So it, it was easy enough to get into a spot for the most part, which is cool. No, that's a thing. VR is a thing now. So yeah, yeah. it's going to get easier and easier to just walk up and try it. Yeah. And I think that final round of the Omegathon was a, a really cool way to showcase it. Because, like, this audience of however many people were in that main theatre, like, it was, like you said, packed. And 
everyone was on the edge of their seat, like watching this intense VR thing and seeing what was possible in VR. As long as you've got two powerful PCs and two Vive headsets. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, no, I didn't say the barrier to entry was <laughs> was super low, but I mean, it was cool to see because it gets a bit of buzz out there for people who might not have even bothered with any VR over the weekend. Um, but yeah, good show. PAX Australia 2016. What a good show. Um, it's going to be a long year until the next one. I know, right? The the blues are settling in now. It's, uh, it's right. back to the... Back to the real world this week. I know. I have my colourful mouse, though, to keep me uh, occupied in the meantime. You see it's uh, set to dialogue options, colours, Kyron? I, I did. I saw a video you posted. I very did post a video. Green and purple. It's very green and purple. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to a theme with this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to throw now to our interviews that we conducted over the weekend. Um, they're not super long, so don't stress too much. Uh so we're going to cut to them uh, right about now. Hey guys, we're here with uh, Anthony from Screwtape Studios, uh, and we're having a look at Damsel at the moment. Uh, how are you doing, Anthony? Yeah, not too bad. It's a little tiring after three days, oh, but yes, doing yes. really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, running on about eight hours sleep or so. Oh, I wish eight hours sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's the dream, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So I've just been checking out Damsel. Can you tell us a bit about the game? Yeah, so Damsel is uh, is an arcade platformer. It's like a really intense score attack game. Right. We throw you in into, uh, into an arena. You've got a series of objectives that you have to accomplish. And the quicker you do it and with the more style that you do it, the more points you're going to get. Excellent. So, yeah, there's, they're bite-sized missions. You know, early game, a mission might take two or three minutes to complete. Late game, it might take 10 to 15 minutes to complete, and there's 120 of them in the game. Whoa, so there's awesome. plenty of content for people to chew on. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, it, I was just, uh, it caught my eye after Josh told me to come and check it out, and it just, um, it, like, the visual style drew me in, and I, I loved it. So, uh, what was the inspiration for the, the visual style? For the visual style, so uh, our art team, uh, they're all comic book artists, so we are. We come from this background of like they're really pulpy, you know, awesome. light, fun. Uh, you know, we're calling our art style like dark Disney. Oh, you know, nice. it's that sort of yes. traditional, but it's got this sort of light horror twist, but it's never really scary or anything like that. It's right. all about uplifting sort of horror, if that yeah. makes sense. No, yeah. no, absolutely. I get that from everything I see. It's, it looks fantastic. It looks like it plays really, really smoothly. Um, how's your show been this weekend? It's been good. It's been really constant, but everyone coming by has been super nice, you know, Excellent. really complimentary. Everyone, when they're at the booth anyway, say they love the game. Yep. You Excellent. know, so that's always a really good, a really good, nice boost for us. Fantastic. So uh, where did the original idea come from? So, you know, we're in the games industry and there's definitely this gender stuff going on. And, you know, we're we're quite active in the scene and, you know, we go to talks and things like that. And, uh, you know, I personally came to the conclusion that a lot of people are talking about stuff, but not a lot of people are doing stuff. Right. And, you know, as a middle-aged, straight, white guy, I felt that it wasn't really my place to get in panels and talk about that, (laughs) you know. It's, it's not my choice to, to, to enter those discussions in a real way, right. but I do have the power to introduce games and, and talk about that sort of stuff through through the work that we create. Awesome. So this is us, you know, putting our money where our mouth is and going, hey, you can make a hardcore platformer, you know, that has a female protagonist that everyone's going to enjoy without being preachy, without saying, you know, women can do this, guys can do that. You know, it's for everyone. Yeah. But if we can get, you know, a 14-year-old girl seeing this character and going, hey, I want to be her when I grow up, that's a win for us. That's fantastic. It's really important stuff. Um, yeah. I, yeah, that's fantastic. We're very big on that as well ourselves. So, um, 
great. Thank you so much for your Not time, Anthony. Have a great rest of your show. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks. Hey, everyone. We're here with Mike Blackney from Dead Static Drive. Uh, it's uh, which was the way you described it to me the other day. I think it was. I'd say Grand Theft Cthulhu. Grand Theft Cthulhu, which yeah, that definitely sold me from the get go. So, um, tell us, Mike, a bit about your game. Oh, okay. Well, it's a driving horror game, which is a new genre I'm trying to make myself. Lovely, uh, lovely. It's a road trip game through the American uh, Midwest, through the United States, and the whole thing is you're meant to have a road trip just to meet your family. Right. Awesome. Um, but along the way, small towns that you go through, they're infested with monsters. They have gods corrupting them, and all sorts of weird, different backstories. Right. Awesome. And it looks like that sort of yeah, like you, said, you mentioned GTA before. It's like an old school GTA, almost top down. Um, I loved it. I loved what I played. I loved the driving. I just, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a driving game person. Uh, out of, the, out of all my friends, I'm not the, the driver guy. So that's why I was doing like drifting yesterday uh, along the road. Um, it felt good. It was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, awesome. Where did the idea come from for this? It's such an, a, an original and different kind of idea. And I, Thank I, you. Yeah. Um, well, I love driving in games, but for me, every time that I play Grand Theft Auto, I'm a bit disappointed that when I'm in my car, I don't really have any reason to stay in the car. It's right. really just the car is like a, a transit. Uh-huh. You know, so I'll drive from place to place, and when I get out of my car, I have to do stuff on foot. Yep. And I always like the idea of a driving game where you're driving just to enjoy the experience of driving, but you can also run into giant monsters and use your car as a weapon, right? Yes. A real reason to think of your car as something that's, you know, one of your resources, right? not just a way of travel. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so when are you looking, what's the, what's the time frame for this at the moment? So, uh, well, I've been working on it for two years now, but I took six months off for a little break in the middle when I had a baby. Oh, okay, that's a pretty damn good excuse. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations for that. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I'm planning to release end of 2017. It's a bit of a soft deadline because I'm an indie, so I need to make sure that I get it done. Yeah. But 2017 is like, I, I'm fairly solid that I'll be done by then. Right. And you were saying about how like each town has its own sort of like monster or like sort of own little compact storyline I guess you could say uh, is there going to be some sort of overarching story that goes with it as well there is from... yeah yeah well the more that you investigate what's happening in each town the more you'll start to realise that there's something going wrong with the world awesome and uh, I really like the uh, Neil Gaiman Neil Gaiman's sto- uh, story American Gods right we have a friend of ours who is a big advocate for that, for that. right so, yeah, yeah we heard, we've heard all about that yeah, yeah so that's, that sounds great so no, no spoilers for that but right. like I like the idea of Americana mixed with mythology and yeah. so I've built a mythology. It's not really like my mythology, but like I wanted to incorporate a whole bunch of cool things that I liked about um, different other cultures, myths and legends. And I want to make sure that uh, there's this big overarching, yeah, you find out that there's something going on and you can awesome. end it. And you need to find out where it is and how to stop it. Awesome. Oh my, I'm totally sold on this, 100%. I cannot wait to see more of this game. So um, thanks so much, Mike, for having a chat with us. Absolute pleasure. Um, Yeah, great. So keep an eye out for Dead Static Drive, guys. Uh, Thanks heaps. Hey, guys, we're sitting here with Chris from 8-Bit, and uh, he's going to chat to us a little bit about Dungeon League. How you doing, man? Good, man. Yourself? Yeah, really good, really good. Last day of PAX, so everyone's having a good time over there, apparently. Yeah, free stuff, I'd say. Yep, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So tell us a little about Dungeon League. Uh, I'm quite familiar with the game uh, from the past three years, but... Might not be so. Uh, it's a competitive role playing game in uh, under 10 minutes. Awesome, I love it. So, uh, the, it's the first to win three rounds. Uh, rounds last two minutes, and then anything from capture the flag, race, deathmatch, a lot of different modes, they're all random. And then, as you're playing, uh, your characters level up, they get better gear, better items, that sort of thing. So, you get the 
the thrill of character progression, but it happens all in under 10 minutes. Awesome, yeah. And I again, I can. Uh, we play quite a lot of this. <laughs> Usually around this time of year is when we ended up playing quite a lot of it. But um, it's it's great. It just it works so well. Um, and you've been constantly updating it with new stuff a lot, quite regularly, haven't you? Like, yeah, indeed. I mean, the content plan has been something that's always been there. So we're always aimed for 12 characters and just over time slowly getting there. We're up to nine at this point, Lady awesome. Mao being the newest character. Yep. Three more to go. Uh, we've got a few more monsters to go, items... And then a whole bunch of polish, really. Like it's yeah. 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 And the, the biggest missing component at this point is online multiplayer, which is being worked on at the moment, uh, and we're hoping to get out uh, early next year sometime. Excellent, great. So where did the idea come from? Because it's such a like, it's sort of a no-brainer when you think about it. You sort of sit down and go, yeah, this works because it, it it's a no-brainer. Like, yeah, so. I think it's a combination of different uh, elements that are trialed and tested already. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the way it looks and the way it plays on a very basic level is just from uh, like Gauntlet, the mm-hmm. very like uh, 1984 game. And, um, and then you take that and you mix that in with modern day MOBAs like League of Legends and Dota and that sort of thing. You get that sort of progression, those four abilities sort of specs. Yep. And then you mix that um, in with um, first-person shooter gamer modes. Right, yeah. And, so, and then you've got basically what Dungeon League is. So, yeah, yeah. And I think you, can, you can definitely tell all those influences uh, come through very much so when you play the game. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I mean, we all have PCs. My, our friendship group and Kyra and myself, from, uh, we, we play predominantly on consoles. Is there any plans in the future for some sort of console release or anything like that? Or is that super top secret? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's even on the banner, actually, if you look at it. But, awesome. It's coming to Xbox and PlayStation. It's a console game. Like, it's, yeah. uh, that's why it's played on con- with controllers. It's, yeah. it's made for console. Uh, we just did Steam Early Access because it's a, a nice launch platform to get uh, feedback yep. and test as well. So when online comes, we'll be testing on Steam first before we do a full rollout. Right, awesome. Um, yeah, it's basically just for testing and trying the Early Access program. Great. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, man. Have you had a good show? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll let you enjoy the last of the day. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, man. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, guys. Welcome back again. We're here with Jez from Outback Pixels, and we're looking at Thought Geo. How you doing, man? Yeah, really good, thanks. Awesome. Great, great. So, tell us a little bit about the game. So, Thought Geo is a retro-inspired shoot 'em up It's across both Android and iOS platforms. Um, it's free to play. Uh, available right now. Excellent. Good news. Excellent. I am uh, very aware of that. My, I've lost my wife to this game, basically. <laughs> I got home last night because she went home a bit early, and I got home, and she was uh, telling me about her high scores and whatnot. And yeah, So you've got one sold, very, very sold customer in my household at the moment, uh, and I've got it on my phone as well. I've been playing it a little bit. It's great. I love Wonderful. It. So uh, where did the idea come from? Like, Where, where did the, the, origin, the origins of Forge you? So Thor Geo was basically born from a Commodore 64 and a Vectrex sort of background. Um, awesome. I'm one of those old guys now. Yeah, um, yep. I've been around for a little while, played a lot of games. Right, yeah. Um, no, my first computer was a Commodore 64 as well, connected to my TV. That was I like, knew yeah. that's why we were friends. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so when you smash those two things together and uh, you get a little bit sick of playing games, that uh, you, you lose the achievement. That's where this was born from. Right, so okay. when you pass, and I think, you, I think you'll agree here, when you pass a level in Thor Geo, you get that real sense of I've achieved something for real in my yep. life. <laughs> yep, and it's a, it, the, the control scheme is, a, is quite different to something. So, can you tell us a little bit how how it works? Uh, yeah, it can be. It can feel a little bit untraditional. I, I would totally get that, mm-hmm. and uh, that's exactly what our, our game design was all about with this. Um, 
when you look at a mobile platform, it's a really simple control scheme too. We only ask for two touch inputs. It's right thumb down or left thumb down to turn, put them both down to shoot. Uh, Obviously, you also have shake device to warp as well. Uh Um, Combine those together, that's like everyone knows how to do these actions, but maybe not so traditionally in a shoot-em-up game. And that's right. where the challenge originally comes in as well. Yeah, it does. It's sort of you sort of have to relearn how to, to play this type of game. Because I played a lot of this sort of like you know, um, I guess you could say Geometry Wars as kind of like like those shooter uh, space shooter games um, on my phone especially. And yeah, so jumping into this, I was like, whoa, okay, no, hang on, take a step back, I'm gonna relearn how to do it. Let's get the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain working together again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, isn't absolutely. that awesome? Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So how's your show been this weekend? Absolutely fantastic. To be honest, I'm absolutely shattered right now but in a really awesome way yeah. a little bit sad that it's coming to an know, end I know right it's like, so you get to that point and then tomorrow it's like the post packs to lose and, yeah. but I'm so happy too because I know when I slide into that into that bed tonight it's going to be magnificent oh you're talking our language man you're talking our <laughs> language anyway thanks so much for talking to us so Thought Geo is out now go and check it out um, yeah it's really great I can attest to that and so can my wife so, <laughs> awesome thanks so much man thanks guys that were all our interviews that we did Thank you so much to all our uh, devs that spoke to us. So we had uh, we had Mike Blackney, we had Chris from Ake Bit, um, we had uh, Anthony from Screw Tape Games, and we had Jez from Outback Pixel. You guys are great. I can't wait to play more of the games that you know you guys have released already, or uh, see further updates of what you're going to bring to the table in the future with some of you. So. Um, Thank you so much for letting us interview you guys. You were just absolutely lovely to talk to. So, cool. All right, Kyron. I think that's about it, don't you think? Yep. All righty. Unfortunately, uh... much like PAX, this show must end for tonight. Oh, yes, indeed. All righty, Kyron. Do you want to take us out? Sure thing. So... Back to business as usual now. If you want to keep up to date with what we're up to, you can keep you can follow us on Facebook at Dialogue Options. You can throw us a cheeky like on Facebook, which is also Dialogue Options. Just give us a little searchy search. Uh, as for individually, you can find me at Lemon Man X, and as for my good friend Joel, he'll be at Jolly Mac. Oh, look at that! You you got it. You got it down now. I like I'm all it. over the twits, man. I'm all uh, over the twits. <laughs> Not Making when you say the it like Twitter connections, yeah. Oh no, Joel. Did you use Twitter much this weekend? Uh, I did a little bit. Okay, good, good. I put a photo up of us in the queue line on on Friday. You did put a photo up of us. That is true. I did. I did. I did a little bit. You did a bit of tweeting. That's fine. Yeah, just a tiny bit. A <laughs> acceptable. Tweet. A cheeky tweet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So we'll let our wonderful theme song as always take us out, which is by Azure Flux. Strike witches get bitches. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. Honestly, later this week. See ya. Bye.